welcome to the Cultivating Calmness podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Vance, and today we're going to talking, be talking about living in the shadows of domestic violence. If you weren't aware, it is October and it is yet an, another um, awareness month, and that is for domestic violence. So October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and so today's topic is going to be on that. And um, I want to talk a, a little bit about some of the lesser known sides of domestic violence. Oftentimes, I think when people think about domestic violence, they think about what is in the title, violence. And yes, that is a very big part of and can be a very big part of domestic violence, but it is not the only factor that we consider when we talk about um victims who um, are in abusive relationships. So to give you a, a brief description, domestic violence is de defined as a pattern of behavior where um, that's used by one partner to maintain power and control over another partner in, a, in an intimate relationship. So these relationships are not just for adults. We often now we see this a lot in teenage relationships. Um, it's not in heterose just heterosexual relationships. It can be um, in you know same sex relationships and across um, race, religion, um, socioeconomic status. It, it it is everywhere. It is not just to one type of people or um, type of relationship. So we see domestic violence everywhere and that, that's important to remember. And um, I'm going to go into some facts here momentarily just to give you a little idea. Um, I'm a visual person. Um, so if you're watching this, I, um, I have some images that I plan to show you on the screen. And if you're just listening, you can look these images up so that you have a reference for what I'm talking about. Um, but you know, I love to give facts and descriptions so that people get an idea of what it is that I'm talking about. Because when we just say something, we often think about those things that we maybe see in television or film, um, but we're not really understanding all the other aspects of domestic violence that are not being shown and are not common knowledge. And there is so much that I could talk about with domestic violence. So we're only going to really just even brush the surface of what I could be sharing with you. Uh, but I hope that you can take away from today's podcast, you know, just some information and some knowledge and hope that you can share that with other people or recognize the signs, whether it's in yourself or in your friends, your children, uh, to see if these things are happening. And again, I'm probably gonna miss something. You're not gonna get all the information there is to get because there is a lot out there, but I hope to at least touch on some of those things that that you're not, you're probably not hearing about um, on a regular basis. So um, before I get any further, um, it is Wednesday uh, and tomorrow, October 19th is um, Wear Purple Day for Domestic Violence Awareness. So I will be wearing purple tomorrow for Domestic Violence Awareness. Um, and you can do the same. And I'd love for you to share with me on any of my social media what you are doing, what you're wearing in support of domestic violence uh, awareness. 
So I want to put that out there. Um, but okay, so facts, some statistics. Statistics are obviously ever changing. And then there's national statistics and there's statistics for like where you live. Uh, I, I live in the state of Ohio. So some of the statistics um, I might share here briefly um, are just from the state of Ohio, but most of them are considered to be nationally and should be semi or mostly recent. Um, so, um, as I said before, domestic violence affects many, you know, people. And although for the purposes of this podcast, I will be referencing, you know, uh, women or I'll say victim and perpetrator. Um, oftentimes it, the majority of victims end up being women, although that is not always the case. There are male victims of domestic violence. And um, so we're not minimizing that by any means, but it is something that just for the purposes of this uh, talk today, I will, um, you will likely hear me reference um, women um, rather than listing all the possibilities. So one in four women and one in seven men have experienced severe physical violence by an intimate partner. So probably people that you know. Um, domestic violence accounts for at least 15% of all violent crimes and 19% of domestic violence involves a weapon. So a little bit more on weapons. Just the mere knowledge that there is a gun in the home increases the risk of homicide by 500%. So it's not even a, a, a perpetrator uh, or an abuser threatening that they have a gun or, you know, wearing their gun on their hip or showing their gun or, you know, referencing talking about the gun that they have as a means for control. Those would all be means for control to control somebody and to for them to fall into place and do what you want them to do. You just, you know, if I knew there were, that my spouse had a gun in the home, um, could be reason enough to keep me quiet or keep me in a state of fear that that could be used. Um, so that's kind of what that is referencing. Um, but you know, just because there are weapons in the home doesn't mean that they will be used or it doesn't mean that you're in a domestic violence situation. Um, but when it comes to domestic violence, the, those are some of the statistics that we know. 72% um, of all murder suicides involve um, an intimate partner and 94% of those victims are female. Um, one in five children are exposed to domestic violence each year and 90% of them witness the witness, like directly witness physical violence. And um, the, some of the things that I'm going to get into is just noting that domestic violence is not just physical abuse um, or physical control. It encompasses many factors, you know, emotional, spiritual, financial, mental, sexual abuse, um, and not just the physical aspects. And sometimes physical is not even part of the type of abuse that um, women or victims experience. Uh, it can be all the others. So, um, Uh, let's see. When we talk about like physical abuse and oftentimes you see what comes to mind, even for me, is those images we see of people with bruises all over their body because they've been battered by their partner. And, um, you know, 
this is obviously the case, this obviously happens, but even physical abuse, just like some of the other things that I'm going to get into, can be hidden very well. Many women or people will um, cover their bruises with clothing, um, with their hair, with makeup, so that you don't even know that they are experiencing these things in their home. And this is why it is such, you know, it, it, it lives in the shadows is that these things can be happening behind closed doors and even your best friends may not know about it because it brings up many feelings of shame, embarrassment, guilt, um, and oftentimes you feel the, just the lack of support and knowing what to do about it. So we'll talk a little bit about that today. Um, and I just want to give, you know, provide you, the listener, with some insights into what happens to people when they're in these types of relationships. So when you think about how you can help or you ask that question, well, why don't they just leave? There are many reasons why people don't just leave. And oftentimes, um, and don't hold me to this number, uh, I believe it's seven, uh, it, women are, excuse me, people can take, it can take up to seven times or more attempts to leave an abusive partner before they leave for good. Seven times, meaning they leave and come back, leave and come back, leave and come back for all of these reasons that uh, I'm going to talk about. So, um, so some reasons that people stay are uh, financial reasons. You know, they can't afford to leave. Maybe they don't have a job. So that's another reason. Um, maybe the abuser has forced them to be a stay-at-home mom um, or forced them to not work, has said that, you know, they provide for the family. You have to do everything else. So they have no access to money of their own to be able to leave and find a place to support themselves. And once they do leave, they have no way to support themselves because they didn't have a job and they don't have a job to go into. Um children, a fear that children are going to be harmed or that custody is going to be an issue if they leave, uh, fear of um, the pets being harmed, the family pets, if they're left behind, for example, um, fear of putting others at risk. If I leave and I stay with my best friend, could my partner harm them uh, or come to my job and harm people? Um, again, I said lack of support. So like if you've been isolated, you've been isolated from your family and you haven't spoken to them, you haven't talked with any friends, they all think that you don't like them anymore and you don't want nothing to do with them because you've been isolated, you may feel like they are not there to support you and that they wouldn't welcome you with open arms if you showed up at their door uh, needing a place to stay. Um, sometimes it's easier to just stick with the danger that you know, like that, that phrase, uh, you know, the devil I know versus the devil I don't know. So it's easier to stay in an environment where you know the dangers versus leaving and having the unknown dangers that exist and not knowing what could happen. Um, just your personal safety, maybe threats have been made, maybe vague threats have been made, maybe threats haven't been made, but you still have that fear that something could happen because you leave. Um, spiritual beliefs being held over somebody, you know, um, you know, if it's related to religion, some people may say that it's the, um, 
you know, the man of the house is in charge, you can't leave, that type of thing. You can't divorce me, it's not allowed, like divorce is not allowed. Some religions be believe in that. And so if you believe that divorce is not allowed and um, then you have to stay in this relationship. Um, maybe not really feeling like you actually have anywhere to go, not knowing about domestic violence resources and shelters and services that are available to people. Uh, they are out there and um, they are becoming easier to find, although they can still be difficult. Um, I think those are a lot. There's there's definitely more, but those are reasons why people don't leave. So when you you hear these stories and you un, you, you don't understand why your friend continues to go back to their abuser, think about those reasons and if there's anything you can do to help with any of those reasons. Um, okay, so when we talk about some of those lesser known forms of abuse and coercion. I'm going to talk about a few and just to give you an idea, just an idea of what it is that somebody may be going through behind the scenes that you could be completely unaware of um, and how this can affect them. So when we think about, you know, power and control and coercion, which is the main factor involved in these types of relationships, it's all about needing um, and having to have control. And so in whatever way that the abuser can have control, they're going to take it. So one of those ways is reproductive co coercion. Um, and so this is where the partner takes away your reproductive and health decisions. So simple example would be refusing to wear a condom um, during intercourse or um, breaking or taking off the condom during intercourse um, without the victim's knowledge um, and doing that on purpose. Um, maybe forcing an abortion or forcing a pregnancy. Threatening, um, if they force an abortion, for example, then they threaten that they will tell everybody about the abortion. That could be family, friends, law enforcement to discourage them from talking about it. Um, threatening violence if they don't follow through with whatever the perpetrators or the abusers wishes are, whether that's to have an abortion or to have a child. Um, using um, like emotions, um, like talking about wanting or not wanting children around you constantly. So if you're pregnant, maybe talking about not wanting children. And if you're not pregnant, talking about how you do want children and why can't you get pregnant and it's all your fault and you know these types of things. And then that's not considering maybe what they are doing to either prevent or make the pregnancy happen. Um, another fact is that um, when a woman is pregnant, it is the second most dangerous time in an abusive relationship. So that brings up extra stress for the perpetrator and often can be used against them in many ways. Um, so in the state of Ohio, uh, between June of, what was it? July of 2022, so last July to June 2023, this most recent June, so 12 months, there were 112 fatalities due to domestic violence just in the state of Ohio. So I don't know if you think that number is high or if you think that number is low, but that's what the number is. I would say that is high. Um, I mean, any number would be high. Um, and so again, a, a reason when we think about coercion and we think about um, you know, why people don't leave, those numbers are why. Those numbers are why. Um, 
when we think about so the reproductive rights and um, you know how coercion can be used against somebody um, after a child is born the perpetrator then can and oftentimes does use the child as a form of control with the parent. They can um, like threaten, you know, with um, the victim. So like threatening to take them away, threatening to harm them, threatening to like take custody if they leave. Those types of things can happen. Again, leaving the victim to feel like they can't leave because they have to protect their children. Um, another type of abuse that is not often considered uh, is financial. And so if you are, well, whether you're married or not married, these things can happen. So having a joint bank account where the money is um, very heavily monitored. And so you can't spend a penny without your partner knowing about it, questioning you, um, you know, threatening you, wanting to know where every last cent is being spent and how it's being spent and giving you permission to spend things, you know, giving you a list of groceries that they want and you can't buy anything outside of that. You can't buy anything that you may need or you may want or your children may need or want. It's only what they want. Um, giving you a certain allowance. So you only get a certain amount of money, often not enough money to do what you need to do. And then that leads to fights and um, conflict in the home because they then can find a reason to be upset with you for spending the money um, or spending too much money. They can affect your finances by affecting your ability to work. So that may be like preventing you from getting to work on time frequently, maybe causing fights as you're trying to walk out the door, you know, doing things to your car or um, giving you extra tasks or throwing things at you at the last moment. Um, or it could be due to you having to call off frequently because they won't take off if the kids are sick. You're the only one who can take off. You're the only one who can take the kids to their events. You're the, you know, um, you're, you're responsible for all those things. So it may make it difficult for you to keep your job. Um, or you may have to call off because you're, you've been injured, um, by your partner. Um, your partner may, um, like if you are on public assistance, they may take those checks from you and you may not see it. Um, they may, any money that you earn, they take it. So back to like that joint account. Um, they may not let you work at all. So if you don't, you know, if you don't work, you, you can't make any money. You can't even save away and put away money. Um, and there's probably other ones I'm not thinking about, but those are ways that you can be affected financially. And so when you think about leaving, how am I supposed to leave if I have no access to my own money? I have no access to my own bank account. So if I do leave, where is my money going? Um, I can't even sneak away money here and there because everything is monitored. So, right, like just think how difficult that would be for you to do anything um, for yourself. Um, some other things that probably fall under categories that I didn't put, put them in a category. Other ways that maybe we don't think about how people are abused or controlled are um, like being told what to wear. You know, when you're in public, you have to wear certain things. You have to look a certain way. Um, so you can't look or do what you want. You have to do what your partner wants. And if you don't, there are consequences. 
um, getting jealous because you talk to or associate with maybe somebody of the opposite sex or somebody of the same sex, um, you know, having fun, just jealousy overall being involved, which then again leads to fights, leads to problems when you get home. Maybe not in public, but when you get home, that can turn violent. It can turn, you know, um, it can be just emotional um, and verbal. You know, accusing you of cheating, tracking your mileage, tracking your phone, um, tracking your social media, uh, you having the apps on your phone to see everything you're doing. So you can't even communicate with somebody without being monitored or watched. Um, you know, checking your browser history, which is something that often victims are afraid of. So they feel like they can't even look up resources on their computer because those things will show up in the, the browsing history. Um, again, using your children um, to like take sides, having your children report back to them about what you're doing, who you're talking to, what you're saying, um, how you're behaving. Uh, isolating you, keeping you away from everybody you know, blaming you for everything, blaming you for all the bad things, but then taking responsibility for all the good things so that you always appear to be the one in the wrong. Um, I'm trying to think, like forgetting, forgetting things, whether, you know, often on purpose, you know, and then blaming you for not telling them or not reminding them even when you did. Um, this leads to the idea of gaslighting. So gaslighting is becoming a very popular topic, a very popular like um, word or phrase to be used and it's often used incorrectly. Um, so the biggest thing to take away from gaslighting is that it is an intentional use. Um, it's somebody who is intentionally trying to deceive someone um, to make them feel like crazy or less than or um, like forgetful. And so the key word there is intentional. It's not, you know, conflict or disagreement between partners. That happens. That is normal. It is okay to have a disagreement with your partner and, and not agree. And having seen, you know, two different perspectives on what happened, you know, that is, that is normal. That is not gaslighting. So, you know, you can look up things on the internet with different words or phrases or types of gaslighting. So I'm going to give some of those um, ideas here just for you to think about it. So um, what gaslighting can sound like may be like, I didn't do that. You need help. You're getting upset over nothing. Uh, you're overreacting. I never said that. Calm down. Stop imagining things. Um, I was just joking. You're remembering things wrong. You, um, it's always something with you. Uh, and, and things like that, you know, over and over and over and over again. Um, so along with that is just things like denial, like that never happened, shifting the blame to it's all your fault, it's always your fault, minimizing, you're overreacting, discrediting, you know, everyone thinks you're crazy, you know, uh, those types of statements. Countering, you know, you never remember anything correctly. Withholding, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Deflection, what about the time when you did such and such? loving words that are used as a weapon. Like I would never hurt you on purpose. I didn't do it on purpose. Um, rewriting history, which is, you know, um, 
saying something that didn't actually happen um, and making you believe that it did. Like, you know, you yelled at me for no reason when you didn't yell at them and you know you didn't yell at them, but the way they're saying it and the way they talk to you makes you believe that you did yell at them. And so then you apologize and it goes from there. And so there's things that people will do when they're gaslighting because they know, you know, it's on purpose. So an example of that might be, um, you know, where are your car keys? And you know, you hung them on the car key, like hook and you know, you look and they're not there and your partner is yelling at you, you know, you're so dumb. Why, you know, you can never do anything right. All those statements. Um, and then at some point they put the keys back and then, you know, they come back at you like, look, I found the keys. They're right here. Well, how did they get there? They were right here the whole time. That type of thing, like making you believe that you're crazy and you didn't just have this whole conversation about where the keys were because they were missing when they were right, you know, when he had taken them to make you seem like you're crazy. And the more they do that, the more you stop trusting and believing in yourself and you believe them and you have to rely on them. And that gives them that power and control over you. Um, so again, these are just some snippets, some tidbits of, you know, trying to have an idea of what being in a domestic violence relationship is like for a victim and, you know, nowhere near all the possibilities we could again, talk forever. And I know you probably don't want to hear me talk about these things forever. Um, some good things for you to look up or you know, get some more, um, information on, um, for yourself this month and in some of my social media I have some of this posted but there's the power and control wheel which I'm showing here now but you can just type that into Google power and control wheel and it has a wheel and on the outside it's physical sexual violence and on the inside are different ways that um, abuse is um, rendered to the victim so using intimidation, using coercion and threats, using emotional abuse, isolation, blaming, using children, using male privilege, using economic abuse. Um, and then there's bullet points for all the different ways that these things can be used against a victim um, to have power and control over them. So that's a readily available image you can find online. Um, another version is one that's post-separation power and control wheel, um, which is a newer one I had not um, seen until recently. Um, and so around the outside, it says prior physical sexual violence, coercive and controlling behavior against um, a mother and children. And then on the inside, again, very similar topics to the um, other one, but things like using harassment and, and intimidation, undermining the ability to parent, um, discrediting them as a mother, withholding financial support like child support, endangering the children, neglecting them, putting them in like age inappropriate situations, using violence against them, disregarding the children, like not paying attention to their schedules, their homework, their after school activities, and you're just forgetting about them, not caring about them, um, disrupting the, uh, um, the victim's relationships with their children or with other people using physical sexual violence against the mom, uh, the parent or the, ch or the children. Um, and then again, there's lots of bullet points. So here's an image of that and what that looks like. You can also look that up online, um, and have some ideas of what that looks like. Um, and then, you know, after all of that is just safety. How can you stay safe? So I listed all those things in ways that 
you, a perpetrator, uh, an abuser can control someone. And so if you try to leave and they're controlling you and they're controlling all of these things, you know, what kind of danger are you actually in? Um, you know, are you at risk for being harmed? Are your children at risk for being harmed? Are they stalking you? So stalking is another factor. And then legally, what happens? You know, if you've been secretly abused in your home for years and you leave, what evidence do you have to show the police, to show anybody that, yes, these things did in fact happen, but I told no one? This, these are some of the difficulties that people experience when they've left um, abusive relationships is that they don't have any evidence to support what they're saying doesn't mean it didn't happen they just don't have the ability to have the evidence so being able to you know we could spend a whole session on talking about that and you know then that can even just go to safety and we want people to feel safe in protecting themselves which is just one of those factors that makes it more difficult so um, feel free to ask questions and um, I can answer them or any of the uh, many social media platforms that have um, their focus is specifically domestic violence can talk more about some of these things as well. I uh, want you to be safe and I want you to have uh, support and it is out there. And for those of you who are not in these types of relationships, just um, keeping an eye out for these things and um, helping your friends and your family that may be in these types of situations and knowing that it isn't easy. Um, so with that, I will leave you to it. And uh, don't forget to wear purple tomorrow for Domestic Violence Awareness Day. Wear purple day. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining me today for the Cultivating Calmness podcast. And we will talk again next week. Thank you.